This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Twenty-nine other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He does. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Game three of the 1989 World Series, the Oakland Athletics against the San Francisco Giants. I'm Al Michaels. Welcome to game three. It's so the Oakland A's take. Take. I'll tell you what, we're having a nerve. A's trying to sweep, but the Giants have certainly not made life easy for them tonight. It's a ground ball to the right side, speared by Phillips, flips Eckersley. Yes, he's there in time, and the A's are the world champions. And now the 0-1 pitch on the way. is swung on and drilled to left. Way back. Yastrzemski will turn and watch, and the A's have tied it up on a ninth-inning grand slam by Stephen Piscotti. Do you believe that? A's 7, Giants 7. In a five-run ninth inning for the green and gold on this Friday night. Here's the turn. The 3-2 pitch is swung on a high fly ball. Left field. Yastrzemski back at the track (laughs) to the wall. He'll watch it fly. And they've done it again in the ninth inning. Do you believe it? Uncanny. Back-to-back games. The A's have gotten up off the deck in the ninth. And now they take the lead. A three-run home run. 7-6 7-6 A's over the Giants. Here's Chris Townsend. I don't know why you're playing all of that. That makes no sense to me. I mean, when you're talking about a rivalry that's been going on for a long, long time, everybody else should just take the weekend off. And we shouldn't have the Bay Bridge series. It's Yankees-Red Sox. They're playing again. And guess what? They're going to be on national TV all three games. Nobody else exists other than these three games. Are they in the Bronx or at Fenway? Uh, let me check. But they're not on Sunday Night Baseball, though. They are what? not. No, they are not oh. Sunday Night Baseball. Well, that, not, that's, you're lying. Well, it's well, it's and it's not. Uh, it's not Ace. It's not Ace Giants Sunday Night Baseball either. Uh, they're they're in Fenway. Sunday Night Baseball is Cubs Dodgers. Yes, the same same Cubs that combined no hit the Dodgers last night at Dodger but, Stadium. But they have no idea that they were doing it. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that later. I got, I got to be honest with you. A no hitter with multiple pitchers means nothing to me. I don't, I don't. And by the way, the no, the the no hitter, one more no hitter, whether it's one pitcher or a group of pitchers, will set the record for the most in a season. And that record is eighteen, eighteen eighty four was the last eighteen. 
1884. Where were you in 1884? What were you doing? <laughs> yeah, what were your great, great, great grandparents doing in 1884? I have no clue. Yeah, I don't either. That's a great question. Well, well if my dad's family is 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 here in, in, in uh, Beverly Farms, Massachusetts, where my family is in heating oil, and they used to have a piggery. Oh, yeah, that, that's how my fan. So if you're ever driving around Massachusetts, there's a good chance you're going to see towns and oil. And, yes, that is my family. No, they're rich. I'm not. My cousins are really rich. See, it all goes back. I, and, I, and I work with Cody. So that, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. Look, it all goes back to, it all goes back to Yankees Red Sox somehow. Yankees Red Sox can't wait three straight games of four plus hours baseball. Uh, no, in all seriousness, it, it's it's great to see the Giants. It's great to gonna be at Oracle Park, which still sounds weird, but it's gonna be full capacity. And you know what we just saw the last four days in Texas was refreshing to see all those fans, and hopefully we got a ton of A's and a ton of Giants fans and people getting back to some normalcy and enjoying our great game. And you're talking about two of the hottest teams in baseball. The A's are 15 and 6 and the Giants are 14 and 6. That's the second and third best records in June. Only the Astros at 18 and 4 have been playing better. And whenever the Bay Bridge series has both teams playing well, it gets really exciting because the Giants, and we'll talk to Marty Lurie about it, it's amazing what Farhan has done. I mean, if I would have told you by the time we see the San Francisco Giants, no, not the Dodgers, no, not the Padres, and Nando, the Giants are in first place. I mean, the Giants, they've been legit. I mean, the last couple of years, they've been terrible. But uh, Gabe Kapler and the boys, they're winning. And they're, they got a four-game lead right now. I mean, if I would have told you the Giants are going to have a four-game lead by the time the Bay Bridge series starts, what would you have said, Cody? Well, one, I never thought, they one, they would be in first place. Two, I never would have thought that the San Francisco Giants would be leading Major League Baseball in home runs. Not home runs allowed, Home runs hit by their offense. They lead baseball in home runs hit. That is a drastic change from the Giants that we're used to seeing back in the days with Bruce Bochy, who I saw two out of the three days I went to games at, at uh, Excite Ballpark in San Jose. But the Giants are hitting home runs. They're not giving up a lot of home runs. They're striking out a lot. But to see them in first place, I never saw this coming so quick. And it's a testament to what Farhan's doing. Uh, what Gabe Kapler has done. I think a lot of people, a lot of Giants fans owe Gabe Kapler an apology because remember when people are upset when they hired him. Wow. For a reason. That's fired. They had a, they had a good reason for being upset for hiring him for what happened off the baseball field. But for him being a baseball guy in Philadelphia, I don't, I don't, Philadelphia is not a good place to be for a baseball manager just because of the, the media and the fan base. I mean, look at Joe Girardi. I mean, Girardi's not winning yet in Philadelphia. And they're, 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 I'm sure they're going to fire him soon. Sports Talk Radio probably wants to fire Girardi already. Oh, so, I bet the postgame show is fire Girardi every single time. Yeah, the whole Scherzer thing, I'm sure they probably love that. 
But yeah, I mean, here you are. They have the best record in baseball. What are they? Forty-eight and twenty-six. Forty-eight and twenty-six. By the way, the big news, and we're going to talk to David Force, the general manager, coming up at four fifteen. Um, I, I, the fact that Mark Canna was put on the IL with the hip issue, a left hip hip strain. Uh, I want to, you know, find out from David. You know, because remember he had surgery on one of those hips. Is it the same hip? How are we feeling? V-Mile Machine, who actually has been really hot down in Las Vegas, will get the call up. And I think a guy that is really going to be pivotal during this time is going to be the guy we got on at 5 o'clock. That's Tony Kemp. Because Mark Canna has been so good at the leadoff spot this year, getting the A's to 46 and 31. Now Tony Kemp has to take over. We'll ask him at 5 o'clock if he likes uh, leading off. But Tony Kemp, I mean, what a turnaround for him in his career. By far the best year of his career. He's hitting 292. He's got an 875 OPS. Never saw that coming. But it's it's the next man up mentality. And Tony Kemp is going to be in there batting leadoff. And he's going to be playing left field. And this is the time where everybody has to start picking up the pieces. And we need to stop seeing these 225, 227, 229. We've got to get rid of those batting averages. And it's time to pick it up because the Houston Astros, I don't know when they're going to struggle. Because the Houston Astros have won 10 in a row. And... They start a four-game set in Detroit. They could win those four easy. Now they've won 14 in a row. And then they're going to return home to take on the Orioles. I mean, they could they could roll off 17 wins. And they have the second easiest schedule from where we are to the end of the season. If you're going by winning percentages, Houston has the second easiest schedule. Only the Blue Jays have an easier schedule. So the A's, you know, A's are leading the division, and then boom, you look up, Houston's won 10 in a row, and the A's are now two games back. And because of what Houston's doing now, the Angels are 10 games back, Rangers are 19, Mariners are still kind of hanging around at eight games back. but. You know, they're taking on the Tigers, and the A's are taking on the Giants. It's a dramatic difference. So everybody's got to step their game up. If you want to keep pace with Houston, the whole lineup's going to have to keep going, and the pitching's got to be fabulous. And Sean Mania, he has been so good in June, and he's lowered his ERA to 3.01. Now think about where it was, but that just shows you how strong he's been in June. He's three and one with a 1.04 ERA. And the big difference for me, Cody, and what we're seeing with Sean Manaya, we're starting to see velocity on an uptick, on an uptick, I should say, and sustaining it. Because he already has a really good changeup and he's got the breaking ball. But now, not living at 89 and now living more 93. And the way he kind of hides it, he's a three-quarters guy. 
that's got to make it tough on hitters. And he's kind of finding himself right now, and that's what you got to do. And it's going to be Manaya, it's going to be Montas, and it's going to be Cole Irvin. Let's get it on. Bay Bridge series style. Yeah, and Manaya, what, the start against the Yankees, he had 11 strikeouts, 17 swings and misses. That's, I mean, that's phenomenal for Sean. He has been great for the, for the A's, and they're going to get Johnny Cueto, a guy that obviously we know Cueto well enough. I mean, he's been in the league forever. But Sean's been pitching great. It's it's great seeing him pitch at the, the day after Chris Bassett pitches, where Bassett pitched great last night. And Bassett's been on a, on a roll, too. Over his last 14 starts, Bassett has a 296 ERA over 88 and a third innings. He has 99 and two-thirds innings pitch, which leads all pitchers in the American League. So Bassett is going up one night, and the Manaya is trying to outdo him the next day. Like, that's great to see two teammates trying to outdo each other, but in a, in a fun way. Like, they're they're – they're very competitive. That's And the camaraderie that the A's starting rotation has, I mean, we see it every day. Just the fun they have, they're, they're trying to help each other out. Uh, that's what makes this team so unique. But with Houston, um, I hate to burst your bubble, they've actually won 11 in a row. They won again last night. So What? My, 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 my MLB standings are off? Uh, they won 11 in a row. They, they, start, they started the series against Detroit last night, and they already won. So it's 11 in a row. <laughs> well, I haven't I, – you know what? I, ha- I hadn't refreshed the standings. Yeah. Since I was on the air yesterday. Oh, yeah, it's 11 in a row. Yeah, they're, and their run differential is like 144 right now, plus 144. Yeah, which, it's 144. Uh, they're they're, uh, they're in, on an incredible roll right now. Carlos Correa. Uh, By the way, the Giants, they're 101. Yeah, they're, they're often, their pitching staff is not being talked about enough. If you, They're third in baseball with a 322 team ERA. Their starters are fourth in baseball uh, with a 314 ERA. That's fourth in baseball. It's also fourth in the National League. So all the fourth best starting rotation areas are all in the National League. So that's if, just... if if we could take your calls like we do in the post game show, uh, it would be what's your favorite Bay Bridge? If we're gonna do like a sports talk topic today, what's your favorite Bay Bridge moment? And you can't say the World Series of nineteen eighty nine. You know what could have been a great moment. But end up being a disaster. The last starts for Huddy and Zito yeah. at the Coliseum, where you're thinking, "Oh, can they can they turn back the clock one more time?" And the crowd was just going nuts, and then they both got bombed, and they're out of the game. Was that 20, 2015, Right? Is that twenty fifteen? Yeah, that no. sounds about right. No. I mean, I should know. I, it was in the when I did the path on Barry Zito. It was in there. I played the audio of both Hudson and him take, coming off the mound. It was six years ago. Yeah, sounds about right. Wow, that's a long time. David Force, how are you on this Friday? Tony, what's going on? Well, the first thing we want to know is how is Mark Canna doing? I know you had to put him on the IL, and that's uh, that's a tough break because he's just been fabulous for you this year. He has. You and I you and I find a reason to talk about Mark all the time and this is this is not one of the better reasons to talk about him. So it's uh yeah, it's a bummer to lose him for, for ten days. We're we're hopeful that it's just ten days. We we still are waiting for our uh, our doctors to read the MRI, but you know, this is something that's been bugging him for for a little while now, not not that different from what uh, what was bugging Ramon. So you know, maybe kind of a similar thing, but we'll we'll wait to read the MRI and get our doctors on it later on tonight. And you know, it's the next man up mentality. And we talked to him earlier today, 
uh, Tony Kemp, I, he's going to get a lot of at-bats, and he's going to probably lead off almost every day and play a lot of left field. Just what a luxury to have Tony Kemp really coming into his own. What have you seen with him? I, look, I, I've seen him do a lot of the same things Mark has done in terms of just filling in where needed and, and playing a little bit everywhere. I mean, obviously, we talked about Mark playing all three outfield spots. Well, Tony's played the infield and the outfield. It made made that incredible catch yesterday to, to help Lou out in the ninth and hit kind of everywhere in the lineup, first, second, ninth, and, and swinging the bat as well as anybody right now. So you're right. It's, it, it is the next man up mentality, and it's nice to have a guy like Tony who's playing so well to kind of pick up some of the slack. Yeah, versatility is the name of the game, and, and uh, that interview will be at 5 o'clock, and I was joking with him earlier today about – he and Chad Pender, and how they have so many different gloves. You got to have your different <laughs> field gloves. You got to have your outfield gloves. I mean, these guys are bringing like four gloves to the game every day. They are. Yeah, you're right. Versatility is so important. And, and honestly, it's, it's part of the reason that we, we brought up Vinayal Machine today to play in the National League Park is because he has some versatility that he lends to, to Bob and the lineup. And, and you know when you're you're playing in the NL park. You're going to be pinch hitting for pitchers, making double switches. Um, you know, when you have to figure out who's coming up, a guy like Machine can play infield and outfield and, and move around. So all those things are part of our everyday discussion here. And we just had Fran Reardon on the program, and he talked about uh, Machine has just been playing real well down there with the Aviators. How big is it that for you to establish inside your organization to like your guys at AAA saying, hey, if you play well, there's a chance you could come up to the big leagues. Yeah, I think that's the biggest sort of carrot you can leave out there for those guys. And, and you know, to be clear, there are a bunch of guys swinging the bat well and, and all in consideration. I mean, you know, obviously we've, we've – Brown came up early. Sky, Sky's up now. We saw Luis Barrera for a little bit. But, you know, Greg Dykeman, Frank Schwindel, Jacob Wilson, all these guys – swinging the bat well that the aviators really got things going during that last 12 game homestand and, and started putting some runs up on the board. So, you know, it's nice to have some options. Again, we hope Mark is only out for, you know, a minimum amount of time, but I think we'll probably take advantage of some of the guys playing well in Vegas in the meantime. Yeah. Fran, Fran said they got lucky that it wasn't going to be 118 and that it was only going to be 108, <laughs> just 108. David. That's it. Fran has that dry sense of humor. I can hear him saying that. But, yeah, both uh, both the Vegas team and the extended group in Arizona have run into some brutal, brutal heat in the last week or so. Talk about the one-two punch you got going right now with Chris Bassett and Sean Manaya. Yeah, it's it's been huge. And, and, you know, I know Sean didn't get the result he wanted in New York last Sunday, but, man, I, I don't know that I've seen him just throw the ball that well frankly since he pitched in Yankee Stadium at the end of 2019 when he uh when he came up after rehabbing all that year and had such an incredible September he was he was in total command there in Yankee Stadium just ran into a couple a couple uh knocks there in the last inning but to have Chris out there as kind of a stopper I think I think Bob said after the game yesterday that's you know that's what your ace does that's frankly that's what an all-star does so, you know, Chris has been has been that guy for us and, and Sean has been just as consistent right behind him. 
And, and and speaking of Sean, how much are you seeing an uptick in his velocity, just not in a game, but also maintaining it? For sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw right off the bat in spring training this year and, you know, came in uh, in good shape. He put on, put on a little weight, some muscle in the off season. And, and you can see how it allows him to get deeper in that start and still, still be 93, 94 in the, in the sixth inning. And that's, that's huge for the way he pitches. So, um, yeah, all those things are a factor in why he's doing so well. And you, you look at this Bay Bridge series, David. I mean, A's have the second best record in June, and the Giants have the third best record in June. When, 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 you, when you went over the San Francisco Giants, what did you see? <laughs> we saw a, a pretty good team, frankly. A little bit of a mirror of us, you know, that they – their starting pitching has been outstanding and gotten them here. I mean, uh, Farron's done a, a really good job putting together their pitching staff and, and our old friend Andrew Bailey is, is running that group right now. So they've, look, they've done a good job. They, they have the best record in baseball for a reason. And uh, it's, it's great to have this series, you know, so exciting for Bay Area fans and have two really good teams playing each other. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Farhan is building the uh, Giants like you guys have built the A's all these years. I mean, you guys work together for years. How often do you guys talk? Um, certainly not as much as we did when we were in the same office. But uh, now we we text a lot. We stay in touch both, both professionally and personally. So I'm hoping to see him over there tonight. I haven't seen him in person in, in I don't know how long. but. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to at least say hello to him tonight. And uh, but we we stay in touch via text quite a bit. How nice is it going to be whether it's this series or when the A's come back home and we do the reopening, just to have more fans in the ballpark? Yeah, it, it'll be great. I know they're they have big hopes for for tonight's crowd over there and for the weekend. And you know we're feeling the same way about next weekend when the Red Sox are in, but. Um, yeah, it's been fun watching some games. I was watching the Mets and Phillies earlier today. They had a, uh, kind of a midday game to start their doubleheader. That place was packed and, and the crowd was going crazy. It's, it's a lot more fun to watch games when you, you see the excitement, no doubt about it. No doubt. And I don't know where this thing's going to go with checking every single pitcher. I mean, I, I could tell game two, the YouTube game. Uh, where the camera caught one of the umpires. I mean, he barely looked at the hat. He barely looked at anything. I, these umpires don't want to do this. I mean, I understand it got out of hand with spider tack, uh, st- spider tack, and that kind of stuff. But um, just your first impression of having your every pitcher checked every single game. <laughs> well, well, first of all, I, I cannot confirm what you saw in the YouTube game because I thought that game was only for people under 30. So I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to find it on my TV because you and I are so old now, Chris. www.youtube. I'm clicking 698 and looking for Kype and Dallas and wondering where the heck they are. So, um, But now, look, as far as the, the umpire checks go, I actually told our group last week, I said, the idea behind this is to make sure everybody's on the level. And and frankly, if there's a level playing field, I like our chances a lot. I think we've got a really good group here, have a chance to be one of the best teams in the league. And, uh, and, and we should want it to be a level playing field. So I, I think after the sort of, you know, the, uh, 
the first couple of nights where we saw some guys uh, make a big deal out of it. It's been pretty routine so far. You're not seeing it as much on the broadcast and, you know, it's kind of getting done off to the side. So I hear you. It wasn't a great look right away, but, but like everything, like the second base rule and like the pitch clock in the minor leagues, you adjust because the game is the game is the game. So I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. And I just don't want to see it weaponized. And I'm not accusing Joe Girardi of doing that, but that's what it looked like. And you know, what are we going to do if managers start weaponizing this just to get in players' heads? That's not what this rule was, was is out there for. No, it's it's not. You're right about that. And it was clearly written in to demo that we got that, that a bad faith request on the part of a manager is not going to be tolerated. And I think the commissioner made that point clear. So I don't think we need to worry about that. And, and again, this is this is just another thing that will become part of the game and ultimately lead to something that everybody should want uh, a level playing field. Yeah. Marty Lurie is going to join us in a minute and he's a, he's a baseball historian and we talked to him earlier today about they've always been changing. Like the original mound wasn't even a mound. It was a box, right? It was like 54 feet. I mean, baseball over the years, has changed and adapted and that's why i don't understand when people sit back ah you can't change the rules you can't do this our game's always been evolving totally agree yeah i totally agree and and it maybe now in in today's today's game it's a little slower than the nba or the nfl who are constantly tweaking their rules and no i i like the balance that we've struck there's you know there's a healthy uh, awareness of tradition and, and the things that make make the game great but w- we do have to be able to adjust and, and you're right the, the mound was lowered the mound was moved you know all these things the, the ballparks are different you know we used to have these cavernous ballparks and and then you know and you started building ballparks more conducive to hitting and it goes back and forth and you're playing it at a mile high in Denver so look all these little changes Everybody, everybody adjusts, and, and ultimately what, what we're looking for is the best product. So I, I'm not too worried about it. I can tell you on our postgame show, everybody, uh, they're throwing out a lot of names out there for you to uh, go acquire. How, how, how's your cell phone been working lately? <laughs> I, uh, I guess I've missed all those recommendations. You'll have to, uh, you'll have to send, them, send them all to me in an email. Um, you know, those those conversations are starting. I'm, I'm getting a little more familiar with uh, my cohorts around the league and, and starting to look. And, and ultimately, the, the, the team on the field is, is going to determine what we're able to do. And, and we've got a month still. Um, you know, what are we, it's June 25th. We've got about 35 days until that July 30th trade deadline. And we, we will evaluate our team and, and figure out what makes the most sense. But it's, it's definitely on our minds. Um, we're having, we're having conversations internally with Bob about it and, uh, we won't, we won't miss out on that deadline. I'm sure. You know, when, when you look at the standings, it it looks like there's going to be more buyers than there's going to be sellers. How how does that make the market tough when you're one of the buyers? It it definitely does. Yeah. And, And again, there's a long way to go. Who knows what happens in the standings? over the next uh over the next month but it's it's a factor for sure and and particularly uh if you're looking for pitching uh, no matter no matter what year it is no matter how many buyers there are if you're in the race at the end of july you're going to be looking for pitching so 
that's always the case as far as supply and demand goes. So it it affects our our conversation, maybe our ability to do something, and potentially even our timeline for for jumping out to do something. But I think we've we've had years where it made sense to do something around the all-star break, maybe get a jump on the market. We've also had years where we had to let it play out and, and do something last minute. So, um, you know, without, without tipping my hand too much right now, uh, I'm, I'm ready to take recommendations from your listeners and we'll see how it goes. I got, let's end on this. This has to be like up there as one of the best parts of the job the trading deadline, you're a poker player. You're playing poker with, with 29 other GMs. It, 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 rate this when you talk about, hey, it's great to be a GM. Is this one of the best reasons why? <laughs> uh, look, it's a lot of fun um, to, to think about it, to, to be able to have the chance maybe, maybe to improve your team. But look, I'll be honest, when you're 46 and 31, a lot of things are a lot of fun. So it, it's fun to think about the draft and who we can add to the organization. It's fun to go to the ballpark every day and, and talk with Bob and the coaching staff about that night's lineup or, or who's, you know, who's doing what. Um, the trade deadline is, is just another part when you're, you know, when your guys on the field are, are doing what you wanted them to do and, and make it fun every day. The trade deadline is just another part where you're like, all right, let's, let's get after this. Let's see what we can do. Enjoy the Bay Bridge series, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Appreciate it, Chris. David Forrest, the general manager of the Oakland Athletics. I wish we could really ask him about names, but there's that thing called tampering that they're not allowed to discuss until they actually have a a deal done. Because, like, hey, I want you to go get Nelson Cruz. I mean, I, I... what is he? Forty-one, still swinging it. David. Made- David, there's huh? that shortstop. The place for Colorado, number two. Trevor. Oh, sorry, no, twenty-seven. Uh, T S T Sers initials. <laughs> um, he's. I don't know. He. A lot of guys have linked you to him. I don't know if you can talk about him. But, but have they been watching how good Elvis has been? Yeah, he's been great. Elvis has been swinging it. He looks great in the field. Uh, you know, I do. You really need Trevor Story? I, I I can I can hear the I can hear the uh, the contrarian now, but he doesn't have any home runs. Yeah, look, go look at Elvis. Go look at the back of Elvis's baseball card. And, oh, uh, <laughs> the old back of the baseball card trick, huh? Oh, by the way, I was thinking of this last night at the minor at the San Jose Giants game. Who do they play, by the way? Uh, the Rancho Cucamonga, whatever the Dodgers. Are they the Earthquakes? No, the Quakes. Yes, the Quakes. Uh, they got a couple of the, uh, the, uh, the Dodgers have some players down there in single A, by the way. So do the Giants. Uh, they got some. Oh, Rancho Cucamonga is now the Dodgers? Yes. The Dodgers used to be Inland Empire. They used to be uh, San Bernardino. Let me make sure that. Uh, let me make sure and that. Rancho Cucamonga was the Padres. Now, this is going back to when I was doing play-by-play back then. Um, the Angels were, what, what's the other team down there? Lake Elsinore. Lake Elsinore was the Angels. Yeah, they are the Dodgers. Yeah, they have a. A's were Modesto. They weren't Stockton. Uh, by the way, the worst team in uh, the worst team in Low A is uh, Visalia. They have like twelve wins. They're like twelve they and thirty. The, are they still the Oaks? I believe so. Yeah, but yeah. So uh, I was looking at the umpires, and uh, everyone kept saying, "Bad call, Blue." 
But the umpire is wearing a black. He's always wearing a black shirt. So why do we keep calling the umpire blue when he's never wearing blue? Huh? See? See? Why, why do we, Why do we park? It, why do we park in a driveway and drive in a parkway? I see, don't know. See, that's what I mean. Why does Seven Eleven have locks if they're open? Seven <laughs> Eleven. I mean, there's these mysteries in the world that uh, I can't answer. By the way, we were good luck for Tony Kemp today, and Vandy moves on as they beat NC State in the College World Series. Jed Lowry, you're going to learn, had a bet. It was an elimination game, Stanford and Vandy, and a bottle of wine was exchanged after Vandy took down the Stanford Cardinal, and they're now out. So Jed and Stephen Piscotty, he gone. By by the way, um, we – this is well documented on Twitter, and I've mentioned it on here. Um, I missed the. I got to the game late. Missed the first beer batter at bat. Uh, first time he came up when I was in the stadium, he struck out. So I mean, uh, the you Hall of Fame. The Hall. Yeah, the Hall of Fame track continues. I mean, if you want half off beer while I'm there, come to a game with me. I will get you half off beer at Excite Ballpark in San Jose. So, here's the deal, folks. They take the guy who strikes out the most <laughs> and they play roll out the barrel and everybody goes nuts. And when this poor kid strikes out, you see men pushing women and children to the side to run, to get a half off beer. It's one of the funniest things you've ever seen. You're saving a couple bucks. I get it. $5. But these guys are running to the uh, beer stands. The the, the yeah. first time we waited, but it, it's funny. Like, you're right. People are like literally bowling people over to go get the beer. It's like, I'll just wait. Women just wait. and children push, pushed aside. Yeah. <laughs> Roll out the barrel. Well, can you imagine being that? If, if that was me, I'm swinging at the first pitch every time. I don't care what they're throwing. Oh, there's a couple. I'm, I'm making contact. I am not striking out if I'm the beer batter. On on Tuesday, the guy the guy tried to bunt, just so he didn't have oh. to worry about striking out. <laughs> you don't think that's in a guy's head where everybody's cheering? I mean, this is just some random minor league player, right? No one knows who the hell this guy is. Well, I was I was heckling the number one. Uh, yeah, yeah, except, except for you. The game that we went to um, against Fresno. The kid who was the beer batter was the number. He was their. He was their first round pick. I was all over this kid, and he punched out three times. Yeah, Zach Veen, number one pick from twenty twenty for the Rockies. <laughs> oh, he he saved me fifteen bucks. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, when we get to it later, I, I got some good. Uh, I got some good over unders on the actual game, and then some stuff that we Ooh. can see off the field uh, wanna, at Oracle you Park. Wanna, you want you want a Manaya? Uh, sure. Manaya is fifteen and three against the money line when the total is seven to eight and a half over the last two seasons. He's he's pretty good. Fifteen and three. Just saying. So you're saying don't 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 uh don't go against Sean Manaya. I wouldn't go against Sean Manaya right now. I'd be pro, very pro Sean Manaya. All righty, earlier today. We caught up with an old friend. He used to do his show right before A's games. He's a legend. He's a historian. You now can hear him on KMBR on the weekends. 
And he has his website, America, American Innings org where he goes through the history of our country with the history of baseball going along with it as history has gone hand in hand between the United States and baseball his website americaninnings.org here is marty lurie i always love telling this story <laughs> years ago with the raiders i'm in kansas city i'm going to the negro league museum because uh, in there, there, there's a part where it talks about Jackie Robinson's start. And I tell the story all the time that his first at bat, he grounded out to my grandfather. But I'm standing there in the Negro League Museum and I hear this voice. And I go, I know that voice. And then there's another voice. And I know that voice, too. And I'm like, where, Mar Marty Lurie, where, where, where are it was, it, it's, it's one of the great stories. I texted you right away going, I can't believe you narrow, you're narrating this video at the uh, Negro League Museum. It's so cool. Well, it's one of the big honors. First of all, nice to talk to you, Chris. It's one of the big honors of my life, uh, getting to be the voice of Lester Rodney, uh, who was one of the first advocates for the integration of baseball. And they chose me to be his voice. And <clears throat> and I loved it. It was a great honor for me. And of course, Vida Blue uh, was the voice of Satchel Page. And uh, it's a great video. You can get it online, uh, Crime of the Century about Lester Rodney. And I always appreciate the uh, acknowledgement. A bunch of people have said that they walk into the museum and all of a sudden they hear me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, like, is Marty Lurie here? And I'm looking around. Well, he can't be here. Uh, well, you're you, you know, it's so fitting that you would do that because you truly are a baseball historian. And I, I do not use that uh, lightly. I mean, all the reading and everything that you've done from the Pacific Coast League to baseball through this, through through all the different decades. I mean, this is a game you truly love and it's a game you truly love to promote. Well, I do. Uh, I created AmericanInnings.org, and what it does, it tells the uh, story of United States history through the eyes of baseball. And if you look at uh, the immigration of the uh, 1870s and 1880s and the Irish playing baseball and how the Italians became part of baseball and uh, during the wars and the pandemic and you name it, the Depression, baseball has, has always been there. So I created AmericanInnings.org and used some of my interviews uh, to combine them with some vignettes. So young people, high school people, college people, just about anybody can go to any era of U.S. history and find the connection between that and baseball. And it is just fascinating to me that every part of U.S. history, every part of the United States culture comes through baseball. What is your favorite era? Of Major League Baseball. I, th I guess the 50s, because that's when I grew up and first became uh, aware of baseball and lived in Brooklyn, New York. And it was, you know, the Yankees, Dodgers and Giants and uh, the Orioles and the Milwaukee Braves came into existence and the Kansas City A's. But it was Mantle and Williams and Musial and uh, Newcomb and uh, Snyder and uh, just the, the fascination of Mel Allen and Russ Hodges and Vince Scully. And as a little boy, it became part of your life. And for me, in the 50s, it became my unconditional friend that I've had really for 70 years of my life. 
Well, and I think back to those times, how wild that would have been to have three major league baseball teams in our biggest city, New York, that, and, and the rivalries and how, and how the three were all so different too. Well, and you didn't have the NFL on the level that we see it today or anything near it or the NBA, uh, the NHL had six teams. So, uh, you know, and then we had the four majors in golf and that was it. So baseball for six or seven months took center stage. And that was what you related to. And how did we relate to it? Not through the internet and really not through TV that much, but through baseball cards. So we would look at the cards and whether it was your grandfather, Bob Elliott, who played for the Giants as well. You looked at that card and you saw the face and you flipped it over and you saw what they had done uh, that year or in their career. And that's how the story came to life for you. And you remembered it. That was the way you connected to baseball. And you had your cards and your buddy had their cards and you'd trade them, you'd flip them, you'd bring your cards to school and lunchtime you'd be throwing them against the wall to see who could get closer to the wall. And that's what we did. Well, the website, AmericanInnings.org, I'm on it right now. It looks great. And, you know, when you think about baseball and that era that you're talking about, a lot of people don't know how big college football used to be, how big boxing was, how big horse racing was. You know, there were sports that were much bigger than football back in the day. So it's it's amazing how our history in sports has really changed. Well, it has. I mean, boxing, we used to watch the Friday night fights on TV. And you'd see the same boxer, you know, once a month. There was Gaspar Ortega. Uh, Joey Maxim or Gene Fulmer on, on uh, you know, on TV. And of course, you're right, uh, horse racing. But it was the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness or the Belmont. And those were the, the ones that we saw on TV. Because don't forget, sports on TV was in its infancy in the early 50s. And we didn't have TVs in every home until probably uh, the mid to late 50s. And that's how the, the pictures got transmitted. So it was the voice of radio. And whether we listened to Wade Hoyt in Cincinnati or Jack Buck or Harry Carey in St. Louis or Bob Prince in Pittsburgh, these were parts of our family. And we couldn't wait to go to the game with our friend. And the friend was the broadcaster. I loved it. I loved it. I I tell you, it probably is, I would say, almost the happiest time of my life, even though it was tumultuous in Brooklyn for me. But we had that anchor of baseball. Did you ever think that you'd see a time in our sport (laughs) where everybody coming out of that bullpen is basically throwing 100 miles an hour? I mean, velocity is at an all-time high. Just how shocked are you how hard everybody throws now? Well, it's amazing because, you know, this isn't something, uh, let's go back to 1954. Uh, Let's go back to 2015. Let's go back to 2017. So something has happened, uh, whether it's the analytics or driveline or how to break down a a delivery on computer. Look, Rick Peterson did it uh, for the A's in the early 2000s. He he started a lot of this stuff. So something has happened, whether it's ticky-tack stuff, but the pitchers have gotten bigger and stronger. And don't forget, Chris, in baseball history, you know, there was a time the mound was only 54 feet away, and it wasn't even a mound. It was a box that you had to stand within to throw the ball. 
And then they got so much better with curveballs and all sorts of pitches, and they couldn't hit them. So they moved it back to 60 feet, six inches and created a mound. Well, maybe that was a good example of what we have today. Uh, and that is the pitchers are just bigger and stronger. And maybe there's something about the game that has to change because you just can't have the whole league hitting 235. It, it's still entertainment and you have to have the action of the game. I think you need it. Uh, I mean, if anybody knows baseball's hi- history, it's you. And I was talking about this uh, two days ago, or maybe we even would have been yesterday, where, I, where I'm looking at the box score of our game against Texas, and I read all the averages that were below 250. And it's more than half of our our lineup and half of the uh, Texas Rangers lineup. He had a bunch of guys hitting 212, 215, 188. I mean, it's like, I, I can't remember the last time I saw by this time, June, so many batting averages. Because back in the day, Marty, if you're hitting 200 in June, you're gone. Yeah. No, you can't remember because it didn't happen. <laughs> this is the lowest batting average we've ever had in the history of the game, uh, you know, for a league-wide average. So, no, this is not a surprise. We've never had this before. So it's okay to walk, to strike out. Because they want home runs and they want doubles. They don't want four singles to score a run. Hitters don't go the other way. They don't spray the ball around the field. They try to pull the ball for, for the long ball. And that's the difference in the game today. It's, it's acceptable. Where before, if you were Dave Kingman or Rob Deere or, or someone like that, and you struck out you know 200 times but hit uh, 28 home runs, you had a short career. Today, you're making $12 million a year to do it. So it's just a, it's a different way of playing the game of baseball today. And this is what we have. It's starting pitching, a ton of bullpen, as you pointed out, and enough runs that you could score 50%, 48% of runs scored are via the home run. So if you find a pitcher who can keep the ball up in the strike zone so you can't get that uppercut underneath the ball, then you can have success. It used to be you had to throw the ball down in the strike zone. Not anymore. Now you get better throw the ball off the plate on a slider, or you better throw 96 to 98 at the top of the box. Because if you throw it in the box, 96, 98, 94, it's gone. And that's the game we play today. Yeah, it's also when we were growing up, they taught us to hit the ball up the middle. Now you hit the yeah, ball up the middle and there's a guy standing there. Yeah, and it's not the umpire. It's the second <laughs> baseman. And that's the other part is the shift. You know, baseball, again, has to evolve. You know, there was a time in the, uh, you know, the late 1800s when what they did was they realized that there are a lot of foul balls and there are a lot of players bunting and stuff like that. So they took one of the players and positioned them in front of the dugout. Well, they caught all the little pop-ups and all of a sudden baseball said, no, you have to be within the uh, white lines. You have to be within the, uh, the field itself. So they changed the rule and the shift thing, maybe they've got to change the rule. Maybe it's changed the game so much that you have to have a different concept where you can't have four or five fielders on one side of the, of the diamond to do just what you said. So baseball did it before they said, you can't, that's why the first baseman's got to be in fair territory. The catcher is the only one allowed to be in foul territory because they were smart. They positioned the player in front of the dugout and they caught all the pop-ups. They said, no, we can't have that. So 
that's the way baseball evolves. You know what? I'm so glad that we were having you on today because I get so many people who act like baseball has never changed. Like it's been played the same way forever. I'm like, baseball's always made change. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It took 60 years to figure it out. And once we got to the early 1900s and the great Leonard Coppett told me this story, he said, once they figured out, uh, you know, how to position the players and that the, the foul ball was a strike and, uh, this and that happened in the early 1900s. It's really the same game. It hasn't changed much. But the rule of playing players out of position is something that has really been taken to another extreme. We always had the shift. We had the Ted Williams shift. We had the McCovey shift. We had all sorts of shifts going on. But usually one player would just go deep, and that would be the shift, and maybe the short stuff would slide over. But now you've got almost four outfielders and a short fielder. So I think they'll change it. I think this will change next year in the agreement. Now, you've had a, you've been covering some bad teams with the Giants recently. You know, in 2017, they won 64 games, then 73, then 77. In the COVID-19 shortened season, they were just 29 and 31. What's happened with the Giants where the light has just gone on and they're in first place in a very tough division? They found players who can execute the program. Look, when Farhan was with the A's, he learned his lessons well. There's nothing going on in baseball that Billy Bean and David Forrest and Farhan hadn't figured out in the early 2000s. That is, work the count, get the starting pitcher out, get into the bullpen, uh, have good defense. don't chase, throw strikes, hit strikes, all that. And it's and Farhan has brought this over. And now with all the analytical ratios, they found players who can do what they want to do. And he platoons and he gets his best lineup out there every day. I mean, he's got Dubon in center field tonight against Manaya and Steven Duggar's hitting 330. How do you take him out of the lineup? But that's the way they play the game. So what did they do? They got great starting pitching. They got bullpen guys who can throw 100, and he'll, he'll use, you know, 30 of them this year. And he also has that platoon advantage, and the hitters don't chase. If you don't throw them strikes, they're going to do to you what the A's did to teams in the early 2000s. And that's the way the Giants have played, and they're, they're playing great, and the starting pitching has really been the MVP. I got to ask you about Bob Melvin, because he now is the all-time leader in wins in Oakland A's history for a manager. And I try and tell people all the time, hey, listen, this is not apples to apples with Tony La Russa. Tony La Russa had three MVPs. He had multiple Cy Young Award winners. He had multiple Rookies of the Year. He had the highest payroll in baseball and was a top three in payroll for many, many years. Bob Melvin's had have he's had none of that. I know you respect him a lot, so I want to get your opinion on Bob. He's the best. He's the best. If he wasn't managing the A's, I I think he'd be managing the Giants. Even though Gabe Kapler is perfect for Farhan and does exactly what Farhan wants, Uh, Bob Melvin is a communicator. He knows the game called. Uh, He has the utmost respect. And I think he's terrific. I just think he's terrific. And I think the fact that the the A's keep re-signing him and keeping him is a testament to how much they respect him. 
because when it came to managers, whether it was Art Howe or Maka or whoever it was, uh, the manager wasn't that important. I think they've come to the conclusion the manager is important and Bob Melvin is the guy. Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to stand up and be at the front of the bus and the front of the plane. Somebody's uh-huh. got somebody's got to deal with the humans. Someone's got to deal with the egos. It's just not all numbers. No, and he's terrific. He's he's a you said it very well. He's a great leader. Uh, he's at the right age. The young players respect him. Uh, he knows the game cold. He makes decisive decisions. And I think he's, I would put him in the top two or three managers in all of baseball. Marty, I could talk to you all day. I, I, I we, we love hearing from you and uh, good, good luck with KMBR, the website and everything that you're doing. You're truly a baseball historian and let's talk again soon. Well, we will, you know, they used to call me marathon Marty, you know, you know that I would do these <laughs> pre games and post games. I'd be on for like 16 hours, you know, that but Chris, you have eclipsed me. You are unbelievable how much content you put out. And the A's are so lucky to have you there. I don't know how you do it every day. I did it for 25 years. And uh, you're still doing it in a most strong fashion. And I commend you for it. You, you, you are a, tr- a tremendous treasure to Oakland A's baseball, believe me. Well, that means a lot. It, it really, really does. And I'll never forget leaving Lake Tahoe. I listened to you all the way from Tahoe <laughs> to my driveway in San Jose. You had true. those epic long shows. That's true. Uh, my record, I think, was about eight hours, and it was a double header. It was a you know an East Coast rainout, and I did the pregame, and then we came to game time at ten o'clock, and I was already been on for two or three hours, and the game got rained out in the first inning, and I stayed on till like four thirty or five o'clock until the Warriors came on. And that's been my record. The other one was Dwayne Kuyper. I was I actually took a trip to Colorado, and I did the uh, post game. And Dwayne was on the plane. Dwayne got home on the plane ride, got in his living room, had wine, and I was still on. And he called me. So that that's that's one of the nice ones. Uh, you are the best. Enjoy this series, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Chris. Take care. The great Marty Lurie. He's a good man. Yeah, he's been doing it for a long time. But, I mean, everything that he does, you know, it's about promoting the game. He loves the game. And he knows the history of a lot of things other than Major League Baseball. I mean, the Pacific Coast League. I mean, he has shown me books that my grandfather's in. It's it's pretty amazing. I was just reading this in my notes. The first 7,000 fans at Salem Field, that's the AAA ballpark for the Toronto Blue Jays, where they're playing. They're giving out the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. home run counter bobblehead. The park returned to full capacity on Thursday. That is great news. Hopefully, we're going to see a really big crowd tonight. I would like to see that. Giants and A's fans getting back to the ballpark. I know a lot of people uh, are really are, are excited. I've gotten a ton of texts about uh, today's game. 
I wish I could be there, but it's just uh, the way that press box is. It just doesn't work for Commander and I to be there. So we will watch the next three games from our from our homes. But I, I it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Cody, are you there? No, I'm at home. I'm at home. No, no, no. You don't have your camera. Oh, sorry. I turned it up. That says battery on my computer turning it off when we have taped interviews. Um, like, did, he, did he just walk out? He no. just, he gone? Uh, yeah. Um, I think I, what I saw on Twitter is the Giants are expecting about 40,000 uh, 40, people um, tonight at Oracle Park. So they're awesome. expecting they're expecting a sellout. Um, and if I, if I read correctly, I was looking to go to the game tomorrow. I was going to buy tickets to go. I think tomorrow is Mike Yastrzemski bobblehead night. So there's the first Barry a bobblehead night. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'll, I'll see him watch yeah, the game. I don't think I need a, yeah, baby, yeah, as bobblehead. Although he did crush a home run that destroyed the morale of uh, our good friend Tori Lovello, although they were, they were, uh, already, the morale was already crushed. Uh, they're, they're on the road tonight looking to send their losing streak to 24 in a row on the road. <laughs> they're, they're playing, they're playing Nando and the Padres, if, if anyone's wondering about AL, <laughs> NOS baseball. Well, you're not allowed to talk about anything other than Yankees. Red Sox. The rivalry. Yeah, that everything else just does not matter, except this. The Astros have currently scored 437 runs. That's 57 more than any other team. The Astros' run total through the first 75 games are the most by any team since the 2007 Tigers. I don't even I don't even remember what was going on in pit in, De, in Detroit, in the Motor City with the Motor City Kitties in two thousand and seven. Let's pull Who up was on that team. Well, Jim Leland, Smoking Jim, was the manager. Smoking Jim and his cleats. Okay, let's look at that team. Uh, was Miggy there? No, he wasn't there yet. Uh, Feeler? No. I mean, you're going. I mean, we're going way back. Uh, two thousand and seven was a long time ago. Yeah, that team won eighty eight games. By the way. Um, with the Astros quickly, there's Mickey no Al- Tettleton. No, there's no Alex Bregman in that lineup either. Just so you know, Bregman's on the IL. So here's here's the starting lineup for the 2007 Detroit Tigers: Pudge, Pudge, the Mayor, the King Sean of Cliches, Casey. Sean Casey, Pos- Pol- uh, po- uh, how do you say his first? Posado Posado. I can never say his first name. Posado Polanco. There you go. Uh, uh, Carlos Guillen, Brandon Inge, former A, Craig right. Monroe, the Grandy Man can. The Grandy? Uh, Curtis, this does not sound like a powerful lineup. Maglio Ordonez and oh, uh, Mags. And some guy named Sheffield. Gary Sheffield? And then they I do not remember the Detroit Tiger Gary Sheffield era very much. And then uh one of their other guys was Marcus Timms. Uh, if you remember him, he had 18 home runs. He was like their tenth guy. Uh, they're ho- hey, leading- this is a fair, hey, this is a fair question. Gary Sheffield, a Hall of Famer. He had a great, he had a great, um, I loved his batting stance. Um, the area he played in. It was a loosey-goosey era. Thank you, A-Rod. Um, A-Rod was on Buster's podcast. I didn't listen, but A-Rod was on, uh, let's see, Sheffield, 16 and a half war. Things things aren't going good for A-Rod. What do you mean? He's the owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, okay, he got kicked to the curb. 
by J-Lo. Yeah, she's back with Ben, but apparently you now he's like trying to date one of Ben's exes. I don't know. That's, that's some, this is stuff I read on Twitter. If it's on the uh, internet, I, I – so Gary Sheffield. I'm looking at his stats right now too. All right. He's a World Series champion. He won a batting title. He's a nine-time All-Star, uh, a five-time Silver Slug Award winner, a 60.5 war, drove in 1,676, scored – 1,636, 509 lifetime home runs, and a, and, and a lifetime OPS of 907. Now, Lucy Gussiera, and I don't, was he in the, he, he was in something. Was it the Mitchell Report or? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. But he, I mean, if you go off these numbers, those are, I think those are, Pretty close to being a hall a hall of famer. The the home five hundred home runs, the sixty WAR, the RBIs, the OPS. The OPS plus is really solid. Two hey two hundred fifty steals is nothing to scoff at either. He had a great career. He didn't strike out a lot. He never struck out a hundred times in a season. So he walked more than he struck out in his career. So and, and let me and let me tell you, when you know everybody made it out to seem like he had this real prickly personality every single time i went up to interview him couldn't have been nicer i don't know where he got that reputation i don't know who gave him that reputation but uh teammates loved him and uh, from everything i know media got along with him it's just does he have that the, the steroid taint on him yeah, that's the thing you have to worry about. I mean, the rest of his numbers are pretty are pretty solid. That looking at the rest of that 07 Detroit team, Mags Magalio Ordonez hit 28 homers, drove in 139, and hit 363 that year. Let's see where he finished in the old MVP voting. Those are his numbers. 363 was his was his average. 363. What 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 what, what was he on? Uh. No, I, so he led the league in he led the league in batting average, led the league in doubles. He didn't lead the league in RBIs, didn't lead the league in home runs, but he had twenty eight and one thirty nine. Finished uh, second in MVP. Who won the MVP in two thousand seven? Uh, I'll go with um, two thousand and seven. Let me give you the numbers for the MVP: fifty four, one fifty six, twenty four steals, three fourteen average. And let me just see if there's any. And a 9.4 war. How many home runs? 54. 54 home runs and how many stolen bases? 24. Give you a clue. He owns a basketball team. That doesn't do anything for me. Minnesota Timberwolves owner Alex oh, Rodriguez. Hey, <laughs> Yeah, Erod had some good years. Yeah, what was he on? They were all on it. He got 26 first place votes. Mags got two, and then that was it. That same year, Carlos Pena hit 46 home runs. Is, is, is this is still Texas Ranger Alex Rodriguez, right? No, he's the Yankees. That's the one MVP one with the Yankees. Yeah, 07. Vlad Guerrero finished third with the Angels. I mean, look at those numbers. You hit 50 bombs, stole over 20 bases, and you really are the best shortstop on the team. He's a far better shortstop than Derek Jeter, but it's the captain. You can't move the captain. All right, should we uh you know what? Coming up next, 
Tony Kemp will join us right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. Did you hear my order? Uh, I, I heard faintly. A good thing I take the commercials out of uh, the podcast, so no one's going to hear it anyway if they weren't listening live. <laughs> Chicken wings and a Caesar salad. <laughs> uh, usually, we're really you're you're really good about muting, and well, everyone heard you. If I you mean, I got Vin- Vince Catronio's calling me right now. Every I mean, everybody's calling me. <laughs> well, at least we. What's have- going on around here? As Vince Lombardi once said. Well, at least we can go to Tony Kemp now. Tony Kemp, by the way, we're a good luck charm because uh, Vandy, his alma mater, was playing NC State while we did the interview, and we brought the victory home for our man, Tony Kemp. And the Commodores, not that Commodores, the Vandy Commodores are moving on in the College World Series. Tony Kemp is very valuable right now with Mark Canna being out for at least 10 days. Here's our conversation with Tony Kemp. Well, you've been on absolute fire lately. How is life treating you? Hey, you know, um, just taking one pitch at a time and, um, you know, just trying to be a fair for my team and any way I can get on base and provide some support um, uh, at any point, you know, just trying to get on base and, you know, do a job. And that's pretty much been it, just keeping things simple. Yeah, it's interesting in a athlete's life when everything starts to click at the same time. It's got to be just a blast going to the yard every day. Yeah, I mean, I think no matter what, um, you know, you got to have a joy coming to the yard, no matter if you're doing good or if you're doing bad. Um, you know, there's always things to work on. There's always things to improve on. So, you know, in this game, you can never be satisfied. Um, you know, this game always finds ways to challenge you uh you know once you think you have it figured out you don't and you just have to continue to stay humble and stay within your approach and just um you know enjoy the game every day and you know be blessed that you know god gave you abilities to play the game at a high level like this and just enjoy it well and, and your flexibility and versatility is huge for bob melvin Take us through the communication he has with you, whether, you know, one day it's going to be second base, one day it's going to be left field. How does that work with Bob? Yeah, well, I think what, um, you know, Bob really helped me out with was, you know, he pulled me in his office a couple weeks ago. I think it was maybe a month ago. And, you know, he just said, hey, your playing time is going to increase a lot. And, um, you know, he he said that, you know, uh, know, a couple guys were – uh, you know, dealing with some things and that I was going to get some more playing time. I said, cool, just let me know. And, you know, I'll do the best of my ability, obviously. And I think it's just a communication factor of, you know, why he's such a good manager. Obviously he's been with the A's for a long time, winning his manager. And, you know, that's for a reason because uh, the communication he has with the players is, is so good. So Mark Canna is going to go on the IL, the 10 day IL. So you think you're going to get a lot of starts out and left? Uh, honestly, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, just come to the field, check the lineup, see if I'm in there. It, you know, if I'm if I'm in there, you you have your routine, and if you're not, you have your routine. So, um, don't really know. Just uh, you know, show up to the ballpark with a positive attitude every day, and just try to you know play the game to the best of my ability, and uh, leave it all out there on the field. How many gloves do you have? 
<laughs> uh, I got about I got about four. Because that's the thing. I mean, you got to have an infield glove, and the infield gloves can be different <laughs> from if, let's say, they're going to put you at shortstop or you're going to play third <laughs> versus second. Then you got your outfield gloves. So I'm always interested, like yourself and Chad Pender, like how many gloves do you got that you bring to the yard that because, you know, on any given day, you could be using a couple of them. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's, you know, I actually rode to the field with Pinder today. Um, you know, we've obviously had similar roles and, um, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth off each other. And, you know, we've, we've gotten close over the past two years. And, uh, yeah, I know that for sure he has a couple, but um, I'm definitely I'm definitely bringing two to, the, two to the game every day. And, you know, speaking with Mark Canna going to be out, you're going to be leading off. Some guys like it. Some guys don't. How do you feel about the leadoff spot in the lineup? Oh, I love it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's always what I've been accustomed to, uh, you know, in high school and then going to college, being a leadoff guy and then going to pro ball, always being leadoff. And then, um, you know, obviously you get to the big league level and, you know, everyone's elite. So, um, you know, I obviously got used to the eight, nine hole, you know, bottom of the lineup. But, you know, being able to be inserted at the top, get every day at bats, be able to get comfortable within within my, my own self and my approach is, uh, it's nice. You know, once you get those everyday at bats, you kind of get in the rhythm, you kind of get in the routine. And, um, I think that's what has been the best part of, uh, about what's going on. Um, you know, for my career as of late is just being able to get everyday at bats and see pitchers every day and, um, you know, understand starting points and soft spots in, in pitchers and being able to see release points every day. It's, it's definitely nice. I'll say. Well, and I'll tell you what, you're going to get more at bats than anybody else when you're when you're the leadoff guy. So that's got to be a great thing too. Yeah, me and my, me and Ken always say, you know, when you're at the top of the lineup, you know, you're you're at least trying to work at one walk in there each game just because, you know, you're going to be rotated through. Um, you know, there's not much of a break. You're pretty much uh getting at bats, you know, every two to three innings, which which I love because uh, you know, that volume's nice and to be able to do that and trust my hitting coaches with all the things that they've been giving me over the past two years has been great. Uh, speaking of your alma mater, they're still in it at the College World Series. They're playing <laughs> as we speak. When we when we air this interview, the game will probably be over. But how about Vandy up three one right now in the top of the six over NC State? Yeah, I need uh, I need the boys to pull it off. They've been they've been grinding. Me and Jed had a had a friendly. Uh, a wager over a bottle of wine uh, for the Vandy Stanford game. So happy that they could pull that one off. Uh, hopefully they can continue to uh, continue that hot streak and they're going to have to beat NC state twice to make it to the, to the finals. So hopefully they can pull it off. Yeah. That had to be a rough one for Jed losing on a, <laughs> losing that nice <laughs> bottle of wine on a wild pitch. That can't be. Easy. Uh, yeah. I just, I feel for those, uh, feel for those guys, you know, some of those guys out their last, last game of uh, ever playing baseball and it's he lost on a wild pitch. So, uh, man, that's just unfortunate for them. What is it like playing there as they call it the factory? What makes Vandy <laughs> so special? Um, you know, I, I, I think that you have to start with Tim Corbin. Um, he's a guy that has created a culture, created a bond, you know, just got his 800 career win at, at Vanderbilt as a head coach was an unreal accomplishment. And, uh, it's just a brotherhood. It's just, uh, you know, if you're on the outside of it, there's definitely around the big leagues, there's, uh, you know, people who always say, you know, the Vandy guys are just different. And, you know, being able to do the things that we do, 
uh, starts with Tim Corbin. He just creates such a culture that is, um, you know, willing and understanding and you're always getting better each day. And, uh, you know, to be able to have an alumni locker so alumni can come back and uh, be a part of, uh, you know, the, the alumni room, it, it's awesome. You know, we go back and obviously last year with COVID, we couldn't go, but uh, the alumni locker room is big. You know, we have guys from all over come come back and, uh, you know, it's special. Uh, that's how guys get better. Uh, you know, it's, it's an environment that guys are always working to get to the to the next level or guys that are at the top level are giving advice to guys who are trying to get to that level. So it's just a constant, it's just a constant um, back and forth between guys who have played at the highest level in college versus the big leagues. And, uh, you know, it makes for a good environment. Well, and you got two kids in Al Leiter's son and the other big right-hander. I mean, these two guys look like they could step in and they could be in the big leagues right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, you see the Leiter kid. He's definitely polished. Uh, Pop's definitely got him, got him right with his mechanics, so he's definitely a polished pitcher. Uh, you know, those, those Kumar and, and Leiter are going to be two guys that are going to be, you know, if they're not in the big leagues in the next couple of years, you know, they're going to be there fast. They're going to be on the fast track as long as they stay healthy and continue to, to continue to get better. I mean, those guys are going to be special. And, uh, you know, and then, it, and then it, then, you know, pitchers from high school see those two guys and they want to pitch at Vanderbilt because they can see that they can be first rounders too. So that's how the uh, cycle continues to grow and grow. And I guess that's how the, the nickname, the factory kind of got started. You know, you think about all these guys, especially these young guys who are all hitting triple digits, just during your career, the velocity uptick, just how much does it change as you start to get older as a player? Yeah, I think once you start seeing, you know, velocity at the SEC level and, you know, it's you start to see your 93s to 95, sometimes sixes. And uh, then once you get to double A, I feel like, you know, you see more prospect arms, guys who are throwing 95 plus. And uh, I, I would say they do know where it's going. They have more of an idea. You know, obviously, once you get to the big leagues, you know, those guys are putting it where they want to. But, um, you know, once you get kind of accustomed to that, that velo and that understanding of, of pitches, you kind of, um, you know, set your eyes, set your sights on, you know, your rhythm and your timing. And, uh, you know, just it, it becomes like riding a bike, you know, just being able to get your rhythm and your timing and uh, just timing up pitchers. Yeah, speaking of pitchers, uh, in the clubhouse, what's the conversation been like where these pitchers are getting checked every single game now? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, you know, the pitchers, I kind of felt like they knew it was coming. And, uh, you know, they had an understanding of what was going on. They were having they were having meetings with the relievers and the starters of, you know, what was going on, what was going to be cracked down. And, you know, for the position player side, it's kind of, it's kind of not really around us because, you know, we don't really – concern ourselves with sticky and what's going on you know we're just up there to hit the baseball so um yeah our pitchers have been very aware of it and uh on top of it you know maybe spider tack took it to a a a new level but as a hitter with these guys throwing as hard as they do don't you want them to have control i mean you're up there and a guy's bringing a hundred i don't you want him to know exactly where it's going yeah, I don't mind. You know, obviously, if if a pitcher has a little something like uh, you know sunscreen, rods, and whatever it is to get some to get some of that grip on the baseball, but uh, you know, I do agree. I think that um, you know, with the whole spider tag thing, it was getting out. Of, it, it was getting a little out of hand. And let's end on this. The other day against Texas, you take third. 
because they're in the shift and the catcher Tavino throws it into left field and you score. It was a brilliant play. How often do you really want to do that uh, when you're running against the shift where guys are just out of position? Yeah, I think it was a, I think for me, um, you know, when we did our scouting report, um, we knew that, you know, Martin's looks haven't really been varied this much this year. And he hadn't really been checking runners at second base. And I saw that uh, Holt was pretty close to me in the shift. And, you know, at that point when he came set and looked home, I kind of had a feeling that he wasn't going to check me again. And, you know, at that point, it's pretty much a foot race to third base. And, you know, I knew that I knew that at that point in the game, we were down by five or six runs. But, you know, you never know what something like that can start a rally or get going. So um, just try to bring a little spark to the team. And the tough thing for the catcher is he's got to play like quarterback because he's throwing it at a moving target. He's got you yeah. and, and Holt both heading to third base. Yeah, so, um, you know, my brother was a catcher, and so he knows how difficult that play is. And we, we've, we've talked about it a couple times and stuff. So, um, you know, if you're going to go and be on that situation, uh, you got to at least be 95% sure you're going to be safe because – you know, it's not a good look if you're stealing third, getting thrown out right there, down by five or six. So I was pretty confident. I was pretty confident when I was uh, taking third. Well, hey, we always enjoy the conversation, and we truly appreciate your time. And uh, it looks like we're finally going to be able to get our show back on the field on July 2nd. So we'll finally be able to see you for the first time in a long time. Hey, sounds good. I appreciate you guys having me. And good luck to Vandy the rest of the way. Anchor down. I didn't know that's what they said at Vandy. Anchor down, the Commodores. Yeah, I didn't either. See, you learn something new every single day here on A's Cast Live. Quickly, how much time we got? Uh, we got a few okay. minutes. I, okay. we don't, I don't know if we have to go through the whole production on uh, buying or selling, because there's just one in particular I want to get to before we. I ask you a few over-unders for this, the Baybridge series. Let's go. All right, so stop me if you heard this before. But the Nationals are playing well. They've won five straight, nine of ten, and currently sit 36 and 36, second in the National League East behind the Mets. They were supposed to stink this year. They don't have Strasburg, and they're being carried by Kyle Schwarber, well, who has nine home runs now in his last six games, and he has 13 home runs in his last 14 games. That's one shy of Barry Bonds, who had 14 in 14 games in 2001 <laughs> for the Giants. Through 50 games, and um, remember in 2019 when they were 19 and uh, 31 through 50 games? Well, through 50 games in 2020, they were, or 2021, they were 21 and 29, so not that far off. The better question is, will Mike Rizzo keep Scherzer and Schwarber and make another run for it? And by the way, guess who I found out is actually still on the team, and he's back. It's our Baby guy. Start. He's back. Buying or from Japan? Yeah, he's on the team. He's actually not playing. I don't, I don't know how well he's doing, but he's on the team. Are they still playing this? Yeah, I think they are. So, buying. Somebody in marketing said, "Bring that guy back. <laughs> we got to play this song." Buying or selling the Nationals are repeating what they did in 2019. Not buying it at all. 
But I, I just wanted to play the song for you, because then we both like it. What is this on? Like Nickelodeon or something? I don't know. It was just a YouTube song that took, took over like years and years ago for little kids. Oh, this wasn't an actual cartoon? I don't think so. I mean, you're, you're asking the wrong demographic on that question. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm over it now. Uh, but yeah, so that's the only one I want to really ask you about. The other ones were about Otani doing all three things at the at the home run derby, which we'll get to. And one about our, oh boy, Tori Lovello and the Diamondbacks. They're now 21 and 55, but we'll save those for uh, next week. So, all right. Tonight's Manaya versus Johnny Cueto. So that's a riveting. Shimmy? A shimmy? We're going to see some shimmy in tonight? We are, but we're not going to see Buster Posey. Late scratch from the lineup. Due to back stiffness. And Brandon out. Brandon Belt. Out. Posey out. Okay. Brandon Belt placed on the IL earlier today. Ooh. Next year. Next year. Next year's gonna be his year, man. No, no, next no, year's no. the year. <laughs> Supposed to be this year. If they move the fences in. So Shamanaya. So Shamanai has gone six or more innings eight times in fifteen starts. He's gone over hundred pitches five times in fifteen starts. The Giants are seventh in baseball in strikeouts and have had 38, yes, 38 double-digit strikeout games as a team. So I'm going to ask you first, over or under five and a half innings for Sean Manaya tonight? Over. Over or under seven strikeouts for Sean Manaya. He had 11 last Sunday against the Yankees. Over. Over or under 10 swings and misses for Sean Manaya. He had 17 versus the Yankees. Over. Oh, okay. Okay. Giants are – well, Marty Laurie said they're not a big swing and miss team, although they struck out the seven most in baseball. Maybe they swing out – maybe they struck out a lot looking. All right, so Johnny Cueto, the Giants are 7-4 in his starts in 2021. He In his last start, he went six innings and struck out five. He's gone six or more three times in 11 starts this year. He's gone over 100 pitches just three times. The A's are 14th in baseball in strikeouts and have had 27 double-digit strikeout games. Johnny Cueto's allowed six home runs in his last three starts. So I ask you, over or under five innings for Johnny Cueto tonight? <sighs> that number's too low. You'd have to, I mean, you'd have to go, he's got to get one out in the six, and he's five and a third. Yeah, I know. So I mean, if you're, if you're going to set it at that, I'd have to go over. Okay. Uh, over or under five strikeouts for Johnny Cueto? Under. Uh, over under two home runs allowed by Johnny Cueto. Remember, he's given up six in his last three starts, so it's an average of two a start. I'll go under. All right. Over under three 1989 World Series mentions by either broadcast. <laughs> combined? Yeah, combined. Oh, that's yeah. over easy. Okay. And I'm not talking about making eggs. Da da da. Over under six Bay, uh, Bay Bridge trophy mentions by. NBC Sports California's broadcast alone. Tonight or in the three games? In the three games. Oh, over. Brody will. <laughs> uh, Bro, Brody has exhausted this thing because he, he created it, right? Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So, like, if I created it, they'd never even mention it. But since Brody created it, he's obsessed with it. They'll have it on the set. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that's an easy over. Okay. Last one. I think it's the last one I have. Yeah. This is for tonight only. Over under 10, that's 10, split cap images shown on the broadcast. Under. Give me the uh, – do not even show that. It's disgusting. <laughs> I'm a fan of both teams. You can't be. 
because uh, that was a big it thing on Twitter. High. I saw someone, I think it was Chris Alvarez from ABC7, had it, uh, talking about the split cap is back. And I'm like, the split cap was never in. Do you think Yankees and Mets fans are walking around with a, a, a split cap on? Or, well, Dodgers and Angels, that, that doesn't really count. Um, but, like, do you think that... White Sox, uh, Cubs. Yeah, do you think that the White Sox, Cubs are walking around Angels, with that on? Dodgers. Like, I don't think that's happening. So, yeah, I'm out on the split cap. Yeah, the split cap is garbage. Yeah, you can't root for both. And what does it say about a person who wears the split cap? They're on the fence. On, you're on the fence on everything. If you can't pick a, I, you can't pick a sports team. What how can you decide on anything in life? I can't be friends with a person that's got a split cap. Yeah, it's. I don't. I, I don't. Hey, a buddy of mine showed up in a, like. Let's say we're going to the game, and a buddy of mine showed up in a split cap. I'd be. I can't go to the game, dude. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't either. But that's all I got. So. So what are we playing here? Uh, we're going to play the great Fran Reardon, which it makes sense now because we talked about V My Own Machine in there because he was killing the ball on, in Vegas. Okay, what, what what time are they starting games here? Uh, so you're going to be on at 545 for Ace Total Access. 545? So they're, they're doing a 645, 645 start now yeah. in San Francisco? Yeah, I think it's the start time for tomorrow is like 7. 710, I think, is the start time for tomorrow's game. Let me just double check for you. 705. So 6.05, Ace Total Access tomorrow. Really? Yeah. So that's it. But, yeah, 5.45, Ace Total Access tonight. All right. We want to thank David Forrest. We want to thank Marty Lurie. And we want to thank Tony Kemp for coming on the program. We'll see you back here for Ace Total Access at 5.45. Francis Ford Coppola Winery is home to wine, food, and adventure. Located just 90 minutes north of Oakland, we invite you to sip through award-winning wines like Diamond Collection Claret and enjoy the magic of Sonoma County in a family-friendly atmosphere known for its superior level of quality and integrity. Book a tasting and learn more at FrancisFordCoppolaWinery.com. Please drink responsibly. 2021 Francis Ford Coppola Winery, Geyserville, Sonoma County, California. If you're looking for a new mattress, Nest Bedding has you covered. Sleep on the same mattress Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Nest Bedding is a national brand with family-owned prices and service. You can shop at one of their Bay Area locations, and all stores are sanitized and safe. Or you can navigate their easy-to-use website, nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Green and gold fans, use the coupon code Oakland, and you get 10% off your entire order. Nest Bedding, love where you sleep. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 